The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you on Tuesday, November 3rd, day after the Giants lost a heart-wrenching 25-23 Monday night football game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that the Giants probably should have won against an, a team that that is obviously superior to them, will obviously you know, make a deep playoff run. But this was a night when the Giants did a lot of things right. They did a lot of things well. They caught the Buccaneers on a night when they weren't great. And this is a game that, that the New York Giants could have easily won, uh, but obviously we know that that didn't happen. And we know that the play of quarterback Daniel Jones uh, was a, a big reason for for the fact that that didn't happen. His two interceptions cost the Giants opportunities at 14 points, led to Tampa Bay scoring 10 points. So, you know, do the math. That's a potential 24-point swing in a game that the Giants lost by two points. So just those two plays alone, you know, could have uh, could have cost the Giants the victory. Make one of those plays or eliminate one of those mistakes, and the Giants probably win the game. So few things that that I do want to talk about. We will be getting to an interview that I did with quarterback analyst Mark Schofield regarding Daniel Jones' play Monday night, his overall progress, and his future with the Giants. We'll be getting to that interview in a little bit, but a few things that I wanted to talk about here, things that I think regarding the Giants after Monday night and at the uh, at the midpoint of the 2020 season, Joe Judge's first year as the Giants head coach. Judge talks an awful lot to the point of uh, of being tiresome, of almost being annoying, about the idea that the Giants are improving on a weekly basis, that he sees improvement from various units, from various players, despite the lack of winning games on the field. And honestly, you know, as I said, it gets uh, it gets hard to listen to. I know fans don't want to hear it. 
fans after you know fans after several years now that haven't been good fans want to see winning they want to see results they want to see the bottom line change they want to see the giants win some of these games and not continually talk about rebuilding and talk about improving and and pointing to signs that things are getting better without results to back that up but with all of that said i think that when you use the word improvement i think that joe judge and the new york giants can make the case that there has been improvement in a number of areas i think that you can obviously make a case that the giants defense has improved and it's continuing to improve Last season, the Giants had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. This year, they have a defense that, when you look at at the statistical rankings, is probably middle of the pack. But you have a defense that is vastly overachieving under the direction of defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. You don't have a dynamic pass rusher. You really don't have... A player on the back end, while James Bradbury is a good player, good cover guy, he's not a dynamic, game-changing playmaker. You don't have a dynamic, game-changing playmaker really anywhere on that defense, and yet you are getting production. You are getting good play. You're finding that Patrick Graham is getting about as much out of that defense as anyone possibly could Considering the talent that he's working with, that team needs more pass rush, needs more players on the back end, could really use a dynamic inside linebacker to pair with Blake Martinez. But Graham, as he learns this defense, as he identifies the strengths of some of the young players like Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown and other young players that we're seeing on the field quite a bit, is getting a lot of mileage out of this defense the Giants played about as well defensively on Monday night as possibly could have been expected. Played well enough to win. The defense probably deserved better. I think you can easily make an argument that there is defensive improvement from the New York Giants. I think you can make an argument based on what we saw Monday night and what we've seen the last couple of weeks that the Giants' young offensive line is also improving. We've seen good play in limited snaps from third-round pick Matt Pert. We saw offensive guard Shane Lemieux make his starting debut on Monday night in place of Will Hernandez, who's on the reserve COVID-19 list. Pro football focus really didn't like Lemieux's work, gave him a poor grade overall, gave him an atrocious grade in pass protection. I beg to differ with our friends at Pro Football Focus. I thought there was a lot that Lemieux did on Monday night to feel good about. I want to see more from Lemieux. I want to see him continue to get in the lineup. Obviously, it was never going to be perfect in his NFL debut, especially against a team as good as Tampa Bay with a front seven that's as good as the Buccaneers' front seven is but I thought there was a lot to be encouraged about. I think that center Nick Gates has really begun to settle in, third-year player, first-time center, first time in his NFL career he's been a full-time starter. I think that he's playing better and better in the middle of that offensive line, 
And also, encouragingly, Monday night was the best performance of young left tackle Andrew Thomas's NFL career to date. Did give up a few pressures, but was really good in run blocking. Um, didn't allow any sacks directly. There was one play where Jason Pierre-Paul peeled off of him and, and sacked a, uh, a a running Daniel Jones who was trying to run up the middle. There was nothing that any left tackle could really do about that particular play. But I thought Thomas acquitted himself quite well against really good pass rushers in Tampa Bay and JPP and Shaq Barrett. So really positive signs for me regarding the Giants' young offensive line. Also, you can make an argument that uh, that the Giants are taking some steps forward on special teams. Got a really good kickoff return last night from Deion Lewis, 45-yard kickoff return. I think that's the first big kickoff return from the Giants all year. Uh, so you, you can make an argument that lots of areas of the New York Giants are improving. You can make an argument that Jason Garrett is improving as he learns his personnel, that his play calling is getting better, that he's really beginning to understand you know, more and more what he's working with, how to get the ball to Evan Ingram down the field a little bit, how to run the football effectively, how to get the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands quickly, uh, get it to uh, Sterling Shepard, get it to Ingram, get it to Darius Slayton in positions where they can make some plays. The Giants have done some impressive things on offense. So, as I said, lots of areas where I think you can say that there has been improvement. Sadly, the one area where there has not been improvement is in quarterback play. I think you can make an argument, and we'll talk with Mark Schofield about this in a little bit. You can make an argument that with better quarterback play, the 1-7 New York Giants could have won three or four more football games this year and could be in first place in the NFC East, a division where a three-win team right now happens to lead the division. So, you know, it's it's discouraging at this point to see um, what's happening with Daniel Jones. I'm not yet at the point where I'm giving up on Daniel Jones as the long-term answer at quarterback for the New York Giants. But we need to see better than we saw on Monday night. We need to see some of the unforced mistakes stop. We need to see some of the bad decisions stop. So, you know, and I don't know if they will stop. I just don't. We need to, and we also need to see him, you know, make quicker decisions, get the ball out when it should get out. We talk, we'll talk with Mark again later about the two point conversion play at the end of the game where if Jones throws the ball on time and on target, we have a tie game, we go to overtime. But that didn't happen, and it's uh, it's one of those things that we've seen over and over from Jones, you know, not getting the ball out quickly enough, not making his decisions or his reads quickly enough. And, you know, you need to see these things, all of these things, the decision-making and getting the ball out quicker you know, getting the ball out on target, all of those things need to get better if Jones is going to be the long-term answer for the Giants at quarterback. And we're at a point now where we have eight games left in the 2020 season. And the reality of it is quarterbacks don't get four or five years the way that maybe they used to get. 
after a couple of years, if it looks like a guy isn't going to isn't going to get the job done, teams move on. They try the next guy. And we could be trending toward that with the New York Giants. I don't think we're there yet. But if we don't see better from Daniel Jones, if we don't see improved decisions from Jones, fewer unforced mistakes, then the Giants could face that decision at the end of the year. Do they move on from Jones? Do they draft one of the top quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL draft? Do they start over? Because you can really make an argument right now that the one thing holding the New York Giants back from at least being a middle-of-the-pack NFL team that would be good enough right now to compete for and possibly win the NFC East, the one thing really and truly holding them back right now is quarterback play. So, Giants fans, with that said, let's take a quick break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When I come back, I'll be talking with Mark Schofield about Daniel Jones. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans. I, as we try to digest what we saw from the Giants and from Daniel Jones on Monday night, I'm joined now by outstanding quarterback analyst Mark Schofield to uh, to discuss uh, Jones' performance on Monday. Mark, how you doing? And uh, you know we'll we'll get into plenty of this uh, quickly, but uh, how you doing? How are things? How's everybody? Uh, we're doing well, Ed. Uh, best we can hope for right now in 2020. Uh, been a up and down year for a lot of people, but we're plugging away. Um, excited to be here, get a chance to catch up with you, talk a little bit about quarterbacks, a little bit about Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. So excited to get into it. Just, you know, before we get into specifics, just some generic thoughts on what you saw from Jones on, on Monday night. Well, I, I think two things can be true. I think if you're sort of Somebody in the Jones camp, uh, a believer in Daniel Jones, somebody that's hopeful about his development and his career arc in New York. You can look at some of the throws he made in that game, some of the throws he made on that final drive, uh, the touchdown to Tate, obviously, and say that, look, there's still a good quarterback here, and it's just going to take some time. That sometimes it does with quarterback development to unlock that. Now, I think if you're taking a sort of glass half empty approach, uh, a more pessimistic view of Jones, you look at three plays in particular. Um, 
and you question whether we'll ever see that development. Obviously, the two interceptions, and I know we'll talk about those, but I think a place to start is the two-point conversion play, which is, in a sense, emblematic of some of the concerns and reservations I've had about Jones dating back to his time at Duke University. And I think it's emblematic of some of the concerns that others around the league have about whether we'll see that growth from him. Um, it, it encapsulated a lot of the flaws and the slow developmental growth that have people worried. You know, Mark, what I wrote this morning about that particular play is, yes, it was controversial because, yes, they threw a flag and then they picked up a flag and Joe Judge said it was pass interference, of course, and Bruce Arians said it wasn't, of course. So, but the fact of the matter is, if Daniel Jones throws the ball on time, throws the ball on target, Deion Lewis walks into the end zone uncontested and there's no controversy at all. And unless Tom Brady pulls a miracle in the last 28 seconds of the game, we're in overtime. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And you see my work, you edit my work, you know that I've been screaming for the past year and a half now about using motion as a means to help your quarterback and give him information before the play. Look at how this play came together. The Giants are in 13 personnel. They've got three tight ends in the game, and they're all to the right. They've got basically a huge wall in a bunch formation. Deion Lewis is to the left, and he comes in motion pre-snap. Like, you know from the movement, from the fact that Antoine Winfield is trailing him across the formation, that it's man coverage. You know before the ball is snapped, that that formation, three vertical releases from tight ends on the right, is going to create traffic that, since it is man coverage, Antoine Winfield will have to fight through. As such, when you get that ball snapped to you, your eyes have to immediately go to Lewis in the flat, and the ball has to immediately come out. You know, whether he was looking somewhere else or trying to move people with his eyes because his eyes didn't come to Lewis right away, just throw that out the window. You have this play dialed up, easy read. It should come out of your hands almost immediately, and it should be a walk-in two-point conversion. I know Giants fans sometimes quibble with Jason Garrett and his play calling, including last night. I understand it. But this was a play that was called at the perfect moment. He got the look he wanted, and Jones didn't execute. And it comes down to reading it and making a quick decision things we've all been concerned about with Daniel Jones, and it was a huge factor on that play, his failure to make the correct, quick decision on time. If he does, nobody's talking about pass interference because Winfield's nowhere close to Lewis by the time the ball should have been there. Right. You know, for what it's worth, we're talking about Daniel Jones here, but for what it's worth, I thought Jason Garrett called a tremendous football game last night. I thought the Giants had a terrific plan. I thought they took shots. I thought they they understood how to run the football against Tampa Bay. I had no problem with with the game plan and with the with the play calling with the possible exception of of one, I think third and 10 screen pass that that wasn't very aggressive. But maybe if you don't trust your quarterback, you don't throw the ball into the end zone either. So, so maybe there's there's some of that involved. But I thought I thought Garrett was terrific. 
you know, I, I obviously thought Jones was not so, but let's talk, let's talk about the two interceptions, Mark. And, and the thing that, that crushes Giants fans, the thing that, that sends them into a tizzy about Jones is the fact that, that, you know, these are two plays where the ball's either got to be thrown into the second row or you have to eat that and take the sack. And and this is the same mistake that Jones made against the Steelers week one. It's the same mistake that he made against the Rams a couple of weeks later. And, and the frustrating thing is he's hearing it over and over and over. He knows it. And as he said last night, he's not applying it. It's not changing. And and we talk about progression, but that's obviously not progression. So, I mean, how, how concerned are you about the fact that we're just not seeing that? It is very concerning um, because, you know, as we in football media, on football Twitter and, and elsewhere like to sometimes do, we sometimes poke fun at the more conservative-minded coaches in terms of running the football, stopping the run, establishing the run, not turning the ball over. But look around the league at large, you know, even just this past Sunday. Turnovers are a big thing. You know, the the, the Los Angeles Rams, they outgain the Dolphins like 5-1. to one. Um, They have passing yards that outgain, you know, the Miami Dolphins like 4-1. to one. And they lose because they turn the ball over four times. Um, turnovers will kill you. You Partic- can, you can make an argument, Mark. You can make an argument that not only did those two turnovers from Jones, you know, the, the Buccaneers turned them into 10 points, Yeah, but you can also make an argument that it took a potential 14 points away from the giants because they were entering scoring territory when both turnovers were made. Yeah. So you can make an argument that that's a 24 point swing in a two point game. Yeah. I mean, I think you are exactly right. And when you're a team like the New York Giants that is an underdog, you can't turn the football over. You just you you can't have turnovers, particularly on plays like that. Like it's one thing if, you know, you make a throw and a guy makes a good play. Okay, that's going to happen. But these are avoidable turnovers. I I'm thinking of a little league coach I had when I was like nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. This guy Bob Keane. And he would tell me, you know, and I know this is anecdotal, but he would tell us, he would tell me, you know, I will never get on you for a physical mistake. Balls are going to go through your legs. You're going to strike out. You're going to make bad throws. That happens. But I can't excuse mental errors. Like if you throw to the wrong base, like if you take a pitch on an 0-2 count, like if you bunt with two strikes, like mental errors. If you are on first base and run on a pop fly when there's less than two outs, like it's easy to think about stuff and make the right decision. Those are the similar moments we saw from Jones on Monday night. Like you can make bad throws. You can, you know, make mistakes like that, but not just taking a sack or throwing the ball away. Those situational awareness moments of teams like the New England Patriots, where Joe Judge is from stress all the time. Like that's almost inexcusable. And if he takes a sack or throws it away on just one of those two moments, we might be talking about a completely different game. And you would expect better from a quarterback even in just his second year because these are things that should have been stressed to him all along the way as he was developing as a quarterback. You know, it's funny that you talk about Little League because I coach youth basketball at the CYO level. And 
this is one of the things that that I tell kids all the time because kids, as they grow, they, they they're afraid sometimes to take chances. And and I always say to kids, I don't care if you make a physical mistake. I don't care if you dribble the ball off your foot. I don't care if you shoot and you throw up an air ball. Try. But what I do care about is not having a clue what's going on in the game. Not yep. not not understanding the situation. You know, as kids get older, the, the last couple of years I've coached seventh and eighth graders and we get in we get in close games where we're winning by four points with a minute left and a kid'll hoist up a three point shot. Right. And 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 he'll look at me when I say, you know, what on God's green earth are you doing? And he's but, but but coach, I can make that shot. I don't care. It's not the situation. It's not the time to take that risk. Now, the time for don't for Daniel Jones to take that risk last night and make a crazy looking throw was on fourth and five when Darius Slayton made a play for him. But the you know, and but the but the time to make that risky play is not when you're winning. Right. Not when you're winning. And even at a more basic level, not when you're already in the grasp. Like when you've got Shaq Barrett draped around your legs or draped around your shoulders. Just eat the sack. Just eat the sack. I mean, that that's I don't want to say it's quarterback in one oh one, but it might be quarterback in one oh two. You know, it's basic stuff. Sometimes as a young quarterback, you have to learn that as much as people might ridicule it, as much as you want to take chances, sometimes punting is okay. You know, sometimes just giving up on a down and giving up on a play is okay. I thought one of the most illustrative moments on football Twitter last night was when that game ended. Matt Bowen writes for ESPN, former NFL defensive back, compared Daniel Jones to Carson Wentz and basically said that, you know, both of them are guys that sometimes take some risks, sometimes make some head-scratching decisions. And I think that's largely apt. One of the problems of the Eagles and Wentz right now is that he will sometimes fight too deep into a play and take crazy risks with the football. And we saw that with Daniel Jones on those two plays last night. Again, I think if he throws both of those away or even throws just one of them away or eats one of them as a sack, we're probably talking about a much different game. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And so we're at the midpoint of the season, Mark, and we're at, you know, the midpoint of year two with Daniel Jones and another losing season for the Giants. We're also at the midpoint of a year where you look forward to the draft and, and it's, it's highly unlikely in my mind that the Giants will have a chance at, at Trevor Lawrence, but the way things are trending, they may very well have a chance at Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Should they choose, you know, it, you know, should they want to go in back into the quarterback pool in your mind at this point, if Jones doesn't show, you know, some improvement, some better awareness over the final eight games, are the Giants at that point with him where where I know they don't want to because it would help them build if they didn't have to go back into the quarterback market, but might they be at that point where they have to recognize that Jones is what he is and and they need to go back into the quarterback market in the draft? 
You know, I do think we are trending in that direction. Um, I, I try not to, you know, in my work, my evaluations, how I, you know, view quarterbacks, try not to wildly overreact to one game, one night, one play. Um, but as I told Giants fans when this year started, you know, on your show and, you know, in my work and my writing, you are hoping that Daniel Jones, by the end of the year, week 16, week 17, whatever, was a better quarterback than he was a week one, week two. And the trend line isn't favorable through that lens. You know, we're seeing a lot of the same mistakes from Daniel Jones that we saw at the start of this season, at the end of last year, and time's running out for him. And we know in today's NFL, A, there's almost no patience when it comes to quarterback development. B, because of the cap structure and how rookie contracts are handled, teams are more willing to just cut bait on a young quarterback if it's not working out because it's not as expensive a proposition to do so than it was in the days when if you're drafted as the first quarterback, you are immediately the highest paid player in the league. So it's not a huge sunken cost to move on. And C, look, Dave Gettleman might be in danger here. And so you might get a new general manager who didn't draft Daniel Jones, who may have had a completely different evaluation of Daniel Jones, who might be looking at this team right now and this quarterback right now and saying the biggest problem is the quarterback position. And so we might see a situation where a new general manager comes in and says, look, we have to go in a different direction. For me, from where I sit, I'm not ready to make that case yet. I think you still have to give Jones an opportunity. He's playing with a you know third offensive coordinator in three years, strange set of circumstances around preseason. I think you still have to give him a chance, you know, but it's getting late early. And if we're still here in December, mid-December, you know, as the season starts to wind down and Jones is not a better quarterback than he was at the start of the year, I think it becomes much clearer that you probably have to move in a quarterback direction at the start of the next year's draft. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mark. It's not a place where I think the Giants want to be. I think they'd love to be able to use their early picks to to build on you know to build around what they have. But uh, but I I would agree with you. I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm kind of trending in that direction. Mark, as always, it's uh, it's great to hear from you. Just uh, let folks know all of the the various places where they can uh, where they can read your work, hear your work. You know. Uh, check in with you on Twitter and, and, and all of that good stuff. Well, Ed, always a, a pleasure to be with you, catch up with you, all those good things. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Uh, like you said, work at a bunch of places, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, um, Pat's Pulpit over at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation over at SB Nation, and, of course, Big Blue View, uh, where I cover Daniel Jones and the Giants offense a couple times each week. And, of course, you do your absolute best work for Big Blue View. Absolutely. You save all, you save all, all the good stuff. The good all the there good you, stuff for you. Uh, of course you do. You, you you know which side your bread's buttered there on. There we go. James Fins, we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye now.